0: Hello, and welcome. This is Coping at Life, a fun little podcast about coping with the chaos of life. I'm Lori Sharp-Page, and thank you for joining me. I was a little delayed in getting episode two out. Uh, Shit just keeps getting weirder. Uh, And I'm not gonna lie, it's really been hard to cope with. It will be interesting for us to all reflect back on this period of time in the future, when the uncertainty has shifted into a certainty and the full picture of what we have faced has taken shape. I feel that the strange sense of time passing in a confusing way is one I've definitely encountered before. It's all at once fast and slow and historically for me this has signified going through a period of time in which I've experienced something traumatic or a significant stressor. I'm aware of this strange timeline I find myself currently in and while I'm working to proactively to practice self-compassion and acceptance, I feel myself falling back to a single thought. I don't have time for this. It's almost silly to say out loud. None of us have time for a pandemic, it turns out, but yet here we are sharing in a collective moment of challenge. When I say I don't have time for this, I'm really saying I don't want this. I reject this. It is a desperate plea for control of what is most certainly a situation outside of my control. The last time I remember feeling this way was about 18 months ago. It was my First wedding anniversary with my husband. Fun fact, the traditional five-year wedding anniversary present is wood, which I think is kind of hilarious if you uh, look at it in a little bit of a double entendre. I didn't get any wood that day, uh, (laughs) one way or the other. Um, Even though it was my five-year wedding anniversary, it was a really, really tough and challenging day. Instead of, you know, gifting me with anything that I wanted, the universe showed up with one of their gifts. You know, the thing about gifts from the universe is that they come in a variety of forms. Wonderful gifts and gifts that take time and patience to see the wonderful in them. At 845 in a cold doctor's office, that gift was packaged in rather unappealing trim. My lovely husband, my rock, my heart, my emotional support system, my best friend needed another major surgery on his spine. We'd spent the last week coaching ourselves through the worst and the best case scenarios, saying, well, the doctor will probably just send you to physical therapy. That had been the routine in the past. And even as my stomach twisted, the doctor opened the door, I still recited it in my head. I'm sure it's just physical therapy. Surgery wouldn't be the first step. Of course not. It it couldn't be. We were in the middle of my second year of my business. He was in the middle of working toward transitioning to a new job, which (laughs) as an added bonus would provide him with health insurance that we desperately needed outside of a spine surgery. We were also thinking about trying to have a baby and basically in the middle of what felt like the most crucial moments towards the goals we had worked so hard on. Nope, I remember thinking to myself, we do not have time for this. The doctor entered the room and welcomed us back before jokingly saying, I mean, not really, but you know. (laughs) Silently, I concurred with him. He was a great doctor, very thankful to have him. But in my mind, I said, great to see you too. As much as I respect you, I'd be happy if we never meet again. This was unfortunately not our first rodeo at the neurosurgeon's office. As we were leaving, we stopped by the nurse's station to start the process of scheduling the surgery. It turns out surgery was what was needed. There was a moment when the surgeon was talking to us where he basically said, you won't need the type of surgery you had before. And I blanked out for a little bit. I had a moment of relief. Oh, thank God, I thought, not surgery. And in that brief respite, that 30 seconds of checking out, I checked back in just long enough to find out that while he was not going to have to have that type of surgery, he needed to have another type of surgery. There were no other options. There was no other treatment intervention. Physical therapy wasn't gonna cut it this time. Surgery was what was needed. We stood stunned, signing off on some paperwork at the nurse's stand. And my husband asked innocuously to the nurses, what's the date? The nurse sweetly responded, November 2nd. My husband scoffed, oh yeah, of course. I laughed. I couldn't be mad at him in that moment that he forgot. I told the nurses it's our five-year anniversary and we all laughed together. I smiled at their compassion as we both held in tears. We're celebrating with an 8.45 a.m. appointment at the neurosurgeon. We sure know how to party. They smiled in agreement, and we walked out the door. In the hallway, we wrapped our arms around each other and started to sniffle, trying desperately to hold it in as we walked the short distance to our car. I, we walked under these big security cameras, and I remember looking up at them, teary-eyed, and thought... What someone watching us would see. Two people, sad and discouraged. But two people holding on to each other, walking forward, making progress, even when progress felt unattainable. In a single moment, everything felt chaotic, out of control. And the only thought I could muster is, how the hell are we going to cope with this? We don't have time for this. Looking backwards now, 18 months, I recognize that feeling of rejection of reality so well as I actively experience it now. The thing is though, as I think back on it, I remember that as challenging as that time was, it was also a gift. A gift that took a while to receive, but a gift nonetheless. It may sound crazy to say, but I know within the depths of myself that this is true. I was forced to slow down. A task that I hadn't done for years, one that almost felt wrong or upsetting, but one that I was very resistant to. For me, one of my unhealthy coping styles is to fill up my space and time with so much that there isn't room for processing or taking care of myself. I think a lot of us do this and the temptation of all the stimulus around us in the modern world really helps to enable us to do this. A lot of us are martyrs in this way, either for a career or family or others. And although it comes from a good place, it's highly problematic. The flight attendants always remind us we have to put on our oxygen mask first before we can assist others. Otherwise, you end up passed out across the aisle, unable to help yourself or anyone else, and you really look like an asshole. We must take care of ourselves in order to care for others. If you don't care for yourself, you aren't selfless, but rather short-sighted. After my husband's surgery, I was forced to take a break. To slow down to a pace that focused only on caretaking for myself and to a lesser extent for him. Slowing down was unforgettable at first. I certainly squirmed in the discomfort as I thought about all the missed revenue opportunities. I shuddered at the thought of not being able to be in the office and control every aspect of everything. I tried to wiggle away from my own feelings of fear and sadness and even gratitude. But yet each day, the more I practiced slowing down, the more I started to be able to cope with the discomfort differently. Eventually, I was able to take stock of what was happening, and I was able to care for myself. Long walks, podcasts, books that I read just for fun, which after grad school seemed like an impossibility to even do. All these things started to fill up spaces that were made available to me once I stopped binging on busyness. Two weeks in my new pace, something miraculous happened. For the first time in a long time, if not maybe forever, I felt a sense of clarity. Clarity regarding what I wanted, what I needed, and most importantly, what steps I needed to take to get there. I had spent many of the months prior on this in this constant state of overwhelm and anxiety because I felt very clearly that I didn't have clarity. It was, ironically, the one thing I had clarity on. Rather than acting intentionally, I was just reacting to the world, not actually making meaningful progress as to where I wanted to go, quite simply because I didn't know where I wanted to go. It kind of strikes me as ridiculous now that I expected myself to be able to answer the very difficult questions of what I wanted or what did I need when I was running at a constant sprint of reactivity. I now know that those questions can only be answered when we slow down and attend to ourselves. We have to be able to really listen to ourselves, and this requires slowing down. I've spent much of the last 18 months enacting these steps, I'm very happy to say. And I have made tremendous progress towards achieving what I want and need. It's one of the reasons I feel so upset about this interruption. (laughs) It feels like, damn it, universe, like, come on, we were just really starting to roll. But yet I know when I sit in the discomfort of it, that there is a gift here. A gift that once again is hard to receive, but a gift nonetheless. The gift of being forced to slow down, something I still struggle with and I think a lot of us struggle with, but I know that this slowdown will support me in listening to myself again and I'm choosing to allow myself to do so. I'm choosing to embrace the slowdown. Instead of saying, I don't have time for this, I'm replacing with the language. I am grateful to have the time and the space to really check in with myself, to ask myself the tough questions again, and to listen intently for the answers, to store up the needed energy for when time comes again to take steps towards those things. I am choosing to accept this gift from the universe regardless of the unappealing or inconvenient packaging. My hope for you is that you do the same. Slow down, listen, and be curious about what you hear. This week's episode is brought to you by the feeling word of resistance. So I, as I was writing this episode, I kind of was wondering how my colleagues would feel about me saying that resistance is an emotion. Resistance to me is definitely a feeling in that it is a distinct experience, like emotional experience that I have. When I did some research about it, um, it didn't appear on any feelings wheels or any major feelings. And so The way I kind of interpret that is that I think resistance is probably an amalgamation of emotional responses, Um, but it's very real to me, and I feel like this episode, that was the one that I was called to talk about. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about resistance. I think resistance really is a secondary emotion, and by that I mean that there's usually another emotion underneath it. Um, I often find for me it's anxiety, anger, or overwhelm that really kind of undermine my feeling of resistance. I was just in therapy today um, talking about resistance that I face uh, with something that's causing me great anxiety, and the resistance is causing me to avoid it. Avoiding is a very human emotion. It's a very human coping skill. Um, It's not inherently wrong, and in fact, it's probably one that we'll want to explore further on another episode. But avoiding and anxiety and resistance usually kind of go together. The issue is, is that the more you avoid something you're anxious or fearful of and you build that resistance, the more anxious and fearful you get, which causes more resistance. It's kind of a yucky cycle for sure. So what does resistance feel like? For me, it feels like the heaviest boulder in my stomach. Like I actually feel a heaviness in my body when I think about resistance. It keeps me passive, lacking of action, or seemingly lacking of action because not making a choice is still making a choice. Its purpose, well, I think its purpose is just simply that. It keeps us inactive. And on occasion, inaction is appropriate, but as I said, not making a choice is still a choice, and so I think we need to be really curious about any time we're not making a choice. I find that one of the best tools for dealing with resistance is to do a cost-benefit analysis. If you've ever taken a business or a marketing course, you know what a cost-benefit analysis is. I'm putting together a little tool for you all, just a basic worksheet to kind of go over the cost-benefit analysis, but you can really do it any way that you see fit. The idea here is to really recognize how much energy that resistance is taking from you. It takes energy to resist things. (laughs) It's like saying, hold on, I see you over there, and I'm gonna put you on hold and never pick up the phone again. You still see the red light. It sucks. It takes energy from you. And maybe that energy is better well spent than dealing with it, but oftentimes it's not. So I suggest using a cost-benefit analysis when you deal with this. So I'll give you my example of what I've been struggling with. As I mentioned in my last episode, I am seven months pregnant. And the word on the street right now is that there's the potential that women who are pregnant may have to deliver on their own, which is terrifying. I think it would be terrifying for anyone, but I was already anxious about this whole delivery thing. And it's my first time. And I don't know, it's just really, really hard to deal with. So I've just been avoiding it, acting like I'm not on a biological timer that is set to deliver (laughs) in about two months. And I feel very resistant to tackling it because I'm scared. I'm just really scared. So I talked about it with my therapist, who was wonderful and Yes, therapists have therapists. We need them too. And we really identified that a big thing that's causing a lot of the anxiety I have is that I haven't really faced this. I live in a day and time when there is a lot of education and support out there for women. And the internet, turns out, you can learn anything you want about childbirthing there. and i knew that but i hadn't i hadn't made a decision to face it until today and i made a decision to face it today because i realized it was taking so much energy from me and i need my energy i need it because if i have to go and do this alone hell if i have to go do this with my whole freaking support system i need everything i got and so i'm making the conscious and conscientious choice to move through this resistance and deal with my fear by getting more education and facing what I'm scared of. coping skill of the week is actually my favorite, favorite coping skill. And I feel a little <sighs> conflicted about bringing it up this week because I know that there are probably some of you out there where this isn't realistic right now. Um, but I feel like it's really, really, really important. And honestly, it's been my coping skill for this last week. And as you guys can tell from listening to this episode, it's been an emotional week. Period. Underscore. Bold that shit it's been tough. So the coping skill of this week is walking. Just going for a walk. Simple, easy. It seems like something that like shouldn't be as impactful as it is, but it can be hugely impactful. Honestly, a 15 minute walk around your block, if you can do that right now, do it. Give yourself that gift. See how it feels. I bet you'll feel much better afterwards. So walking is something that most of us have access to. Most of us know and are able and capable of doing. It's also something that most of us take advantage of. As I said, when I started this segment, I really want to come at this from the place that I know that this may not be approachable or accessible for everybody. So if it's accessible or approachable for you, be grateful. This is a gentle thing that you can do for your mind and your body. You really only have to go for 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be long. It's just about moving your body, being in nature, being present, and all of these things combined to help you process information, particularly emotional information, differently. The best example of this is, well, think about it like this. If you've got one of those days where like you're just kind of feeling off and you're having a hard time identifying how you feel or what's going on with you, go take a walk. Nine times out of ten, I find that I am able to actually verbalize what's going on with me emotionally after the walk. Even when I have no clue and it just feels like one of those days that I rolled out of the wrong side of the bed and life sucks. Try it. It can really help you get clarity in the middle of it also being good for your mental health. So what's the cost? Well, thankfully, walking is free. Well, what does science say about it? Science says lots of things about walking. So, again, walking is really, really, really good for your mental and your emotional health, but also for your physical health. And as we know, those things go hand in hand. Um, I've included um, in the show notes a uh, handout from SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health um, uh, basically uh, foundation. and so in this thing, it goes through a bunch of different reasons why mental health is helpful. Um, but the main thing you need to know is that there are just many health benefits. So including medical conditions like diabetes, preventing cancer, heart attacks and stroke, contributing to a longer life, and boosting overall sense of well-being. Um, it's also something that research has really identified. Um is, is helpful for people that have serious mental illness. Um, moderate physical activity like walking can reduce overall health risks, improve a person's cognition, their thinking, um, while decreasing symptoms of depression, anxiety, even schizophrenia. Walking can help to relieve stress or tension. It is a quite amazing coping skill and I will have the full pamphlet up um, for you guys to peruse at your own leisure. There's a lot of evidence to support how impactful walking is, but honestly, I think this is something that like we know in our own bodies. We feel it. A walk is good for you. So, as I said, what was my experience with it? Well, walking is my preferred coping skill. I have there are very real negative impacts on my mental health when I stop walking. Um about 2 years ago, we went through a January where we had like a 15-day period where it was like negative The windshield was like negative 15. Like it was unsafe to be outside and walking. And so I just stopped walking. It is burned into my memory. That is, it was a tough period of time for me. And it just reinforced what I already knew. Walking is something I need to do for myself. And I try and get out and walk every day, even during the middle of pandemic. In fact, sometimes twice a day. Um, It's a tool that's still accessible and available to me. And I plan to take advantage of it for as long as I can. So what's my rating? You won't be surprised to hear me say this. Five out of five brains for me on this one. If for some reason you can't get out and walk right now, there are virtual walks that you can take on YouTube where you play the video of like nature and you watch that and just walk in place wherever you can. I know it is not the same, but it's something. And we all have to be grateful for every little thing that we have right now. There's also a lot of apps to get you out walking, and of course, when things get more back to normal, there's great hikes and trails and so many different things that you can do with it. But again, right now, go around the block. Do it in your living room if you have to. Just give it a try. I encourage you to try this coping skill out for the next week and uh, give it your own rating. And remember, I mean, if you don't like it, that's okay. There's not necessarily a right or wrong way when it comes to coping skills. You just got to figure out what works for you. And I really encourage you to try walking and give it a fair shake because I think it's one that's often overlooked, but extremely valuable. Thank you so much for joining me on Coping at Life. I really appreciate your time and, um, I really hope that you are supporting yourself and taking care of yourself today. Um, if you would like to talk to me about coping or share something that you know about coping or a question that you'd have, I would love to hear from you and you can leave me a voice message. The link to do so will be in the show notes. I, everything I talk about today, I will link um, in the show notes as far as the pamphlet about science and walking and the cost benefit analysis tool I'm putting together for you all. Please take care. And I look forward to seeing you next week on coping at life with Lori Sharp page.